Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. That's so cute. Oh, man. <laughs> like We've been through all the fields in like the last 20 minutes. It's powerful. I'm going to be a real letdown in here. I mean, what a way to celebrate and honor and mark the moment today of Juneteenth. I'm so, I love when our Soul City Choir sings and then to honor fathers and father figures. I'm, I'm so glad you carved out this time, whether you're here in person today, that means a lot to us that you would come here or you're, or you're carving out this time online with us. I do, I just personally want to say happy Father's Day to all the father figures in the room and with us online. Uh, there's not a day that goes by where I, I'm not wearing my dad's ring and thinking of him and thanking God for him and the role that he played in my life. And so for all the father figures, can we once again just say happy Father's Day to them and celebrate them, honor them. Uh, My name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. And again, if you're here in person, you look fantastic. It's a gorgeous day. And so I'm here in Chicago. So I'm so glad you're here if you're with us online. But yeah, let us know where you're joining us from. Just put it in the comments right now. We'd love to see where God's bringing people from all over the world. So if you're with us online, go ahead and type it right now in the comments. And uh, before I get into the message, I want to share something with you that's really cool. I just feel really honored and it's really special that our church gets to do. Uh, as many of you know, one of our teaching pastors, Nancy Beach, she's been a huge part of me and Jeannie's life, a pastoral voice and a friend in our lives for over 25 years. We've watched their, uh, Warren and Nancy's two daughters grow up. And one of the coolest things over the last couple of years is that Nancy and one of her daughters, Samantha, who are both pastors, have been writing a book on the church. And it just came out this week. And I thought it'd be fun to celebrate Nancy. Can we celebrate Nancy for her new book? This is pretty cool. Uh, it's called uh, Next Sunday, and it's a, it's a powerful sort of exploration of where the church is at, kind of how we got to where we're at, and where we could go, where God wants to take his church. And they go back and forth riding with each other, so it's kind of cool to see a mother and a daughter go back and forth. And so if you uh, like are interested or geek out on church stuff, uh, you're interested in kind of have a desire, maybe you've been hurt or burned by the church, and you want to feel seen and recognized that you're not alone, this is such a fantastic resource. Nancy's here today, and she's actually in our Soul City store. You can find uh, her book there. She's brought some copies here, so if you want to do that, you can find it, as well as uh, Jeannie's books. They're just right there in front of my last book, which is still inexplicably on the clearance rack. So um, <laughs> someone a couple of weeks ago bought my book off the clearance rack as a mercy, as a mercy to me, and said, I already have a copy. I just felt so bad for you. That didn't help, thank you, but that didn't, it just stirred up the wound. So anyway, Nancy's book is there today, and you can go grab it today. Well, we're in week two of our teaching series, Hot Takes, where we're looking at the the difficult and the demanding, and I believe downright transformative teachings of Jesus, things that that he said 2,000 years ago that still speak into our lives and our world today. It's, It's wisdom that flies in the face of conventional thinking. And today we're going to actually look at something that you would think would be obvious, that Jesus wouldn't even like have to say. And I believe it's something that has extra relevance in today's performance and perception-driven culture that we live in. And it really kind of begins with a simple question that I'd love for each of us to consider. So again, with your with us online or here in this room, just kind of quietly think about this for a second and get as honest as you can get with his answer. Maybe you've never even thought about this before, but, but, but the question is, is this. It's what do people think of when they think of you? What do you think people think of 
when they think of you? What are the words that come to mind? What are the emotions? What are the experiences that they think of when they think of you? Let me say it another way. What do people get from you when they get with you, when they're in your presence, when they're in relationship with you? How would others describe their experience with you? And, and you know, you can think about like all the people maybe that you know online. That's great. and That's fine. But I'm talking about the people who really know you the people who are really in relationship with you, what do they really think of when they think of you? It's, that's a good question to think about, honestly, to walk around with for a little bit. Now, I want to be clear. What I'm, what I'm talking about here is I'm not talking about what do you want people to think of because that's so much of what we do online, right? This is what I want you to think of me. I'm talking about what people actually think of when they think of you. Like, I want, I want people to think that I'm a very godly person. I'm wise, thoughtful, funny, like inexplicably handsome, <laughs> and most of all, humble, very humble, right? I want people, I want, I want you, I want that, but what I want people to think of me and what people actually think of me, oh, it's not always the same. I think people would probably actually think of when they think of me, say, yeah, he's, he's sometimes funny. Uh, my kids don't think so, but others do. Uh, maybe relatable, encouraging, um, sometimes distracted, bad at returning emails, overthinks things to the point of exhaustion. Like that, that's what people really get when they're really with me. You see, there's a difference, right, between what I want people to think of and what people actually think of when they think of me. So how about, how about you? What do people actually think of when they actually think of you? Maybe it'd help, okay, so maybe it'd help to help answer that question, to think of it maybe in a little, from a little different perspective. Let's borrow an image that we're gonna see Jesus use today and he uses throughout uh, the gospel accounts and, and it's an image that you're probably very, very familiar with. It's, it's where we kind of helps us get after this kind of same idea and that's the image of, of fruit. So I brought some fruit here with me. So maybe, maybe it'll help you to think of it this way. What, what, what is the fruit that people think of when they think of you? What is it that comes out of you? What is it that you are producing regularly coming out of you and that's going into the lives of others. What is the fruit that you bear in this world? This is at the heart of Jesus's hot take that we're going to unpack today. It's something that seems again like such a no-brainer but can be such a game changer. Something that if you're actually willing to get honest about and make some spiritual shifts in this week, you can actually see deep internal transformation that has real world implications in the relationships and the people around you. So I want us to hear it from Jesus himself. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to pick it up, to open it. If you're here in this room, there should be a Soul City Bible. It looks just like this right under your seat or up in the balcony. You've probably knocked it off the armrest by now. You can turn to Luke chapter six, page 837. Now, if you have it on your phone, you just go to Luke six, however you want to open a tab. If you're with us online, Luke chapter six, page eight. 37. Now, let me give you some context as to where we're getting at in Luke chapter 6. Je Jesus is employing a teaching style that we're going to see here in a minute that he regularly uses where we'll simply call it the this and that style. Jesus is using the this and that style. It's where he compares two things that are sometimes seemingly opposite to help us get what it is that God wants for us, the this and that. And we do this all the time in our own lives, right? For he, like here in this context, we might say um, city or suburbs, right? Because that's two different experiences, city or suburbs. Although everyone from the city says they're from Chicago, everyone in the suburbs says they're from 
Chicago. So there's, okay, so the lines blur there a little bit. Okay, so we might say Sox fans and Cubs fans. And for if you, depending on which one you are, you have feelings about the other one. And you thank God that God is with you and your team. We might say deep dish and thin crust, right? And then we would say to everyone else in the world, get over it. We've got the best pizza in the world. Literally one slice is an entire meal. So you see how we can compare this and that and get like, oh, I'm this or I'm that. Well, that's what Jesus is doing here. And he's using stuff that was more familiar to the people that were listening to him in his time. He uses this actually a lot throughout his teaching. He compares things like light and dark, sheep and goats, rock and sand, wheat and chaff. And in this case, what Jesus is comparing is good fruit and bad fruit. And I've brought both with me today. Good fruit and bad fruit. Luke 6, 43. Let's start there. This is what it says. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And then he goes on to say this. Like people don't go and pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You see what Jesus is getting at? He's comparing. And he's saying something that is seemingly so obvious. And what, what's going on here, the, the Hebrew word that's actually used to describe this kind of point that Jesus is making is noda. Everyone say noda. You can do a little bit louder, type it online, noda. Yeah, exactly. That's what Jesus is saying is noda. Obviously, everyone, that's a dad joke. It's Father's Day. You'd, I deserve better than what you just gave me. I deserve, I deserve, I demand noda. It's too easy. That was too easy. All right, all right. So Jesus is saying, yeah, no duh. You, you don't get bad fruit from a good tree and you don't get good fruit, certainly from a bad tree. You don't go picking grapes in, in the middle of a briar. That's just not how it works. That's not how it works in the natural world. And so what Jesus does, he says, let me show you how this works in the spiritual world, in your spiritual life. Verse 45, Jesus goes on to say this, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And in the same way, an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. And this is so big. Please don't miss, don't miss this last part. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks. It always speaks what the heart is already actually full of. Isn't that good? Isn't that true? Like, no matter even where you're at in your spiritual journey with God, isn't that true? Your mouth can't help but speak what is actually already going on in your heart and what you, it is that you actually really believe. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that the fruit don't lie. The fruit don't lie. What's in you, what you root yourself in comes out of you. There's simply no exception to the rule. There's no gaming the system with this kind of principle in our lives. Who you are comes out in what you say and what you do. Your fruit always comes through. That's just what it do. That's it. And just like in last week's hot take, you may be thinking, okay, okay, that's challenging. Okay, yeah. But maybe this is like, Jesus had a lot of stuff. So this is just one thing he said about some fruit and stuff. I don't know how seriously I really need to take this idea. I don't even know how serious Jesus was about this one kind of random, one-off teaching. Well, actually, this is not the only place that Jesus uses this exact same imagery and this exact same language. In fact, he drops this hot take in a different time, in a different place, in a different passage in Matthew 7. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it up on the screen. See if this doesn't sound familiar. Matthew 7, 16 says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good, there it is again, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus is nothing if not consistent and clear with this idea. Bad roots, bad fruit. Good roots, good fruit. What goes in comes out. See, make no mistake about it. What Jesus is saying here is it's, it's not whether you bear fruit, but what fruit you bear. It's not about, yeah, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. No, you're already bearing fruit. So what fruit is it that you're actually already bearing? No one has no fruit. That's just not how it works. The question is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Is it, is it healthy and, and, and helpful to others? Is it soulful and, and, and spiritual? Is it reflecting God and redirecting people to God? Or is it stale and, and spoiled, bitter and, and biting, tainted and, and, and toxic? See, your life, whether you, you realize it or not, is bearing one kind of fruit or another. And so do you know what kind of fruit it is for you? And I brought some bad fruit with me. And I've been having, this has been sitting out in our house for over a week now. And the kids don't appreciate it, but the flies do. And it's gotten real rotten. And I thought I could take a bite of this rotten banana today. Just, well, do you want to do it? I mean, it's either me or you. Just, you see, like, you know, a banana, it's like, it's like extra gooey when it's rotten. And it tastes extra, like, just whack when you bite into it. And the second you bite into it, you know, oh, that's not right. That's not right. This banana is wrong. That's what it feels like when people interact with the fruit that you bear and you bring into this world. They know the second they get a taste. They know the second they get around it, like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That feels off. I remember for me a few years back, I began to recognize and realize uh, some fruit that was being born in my life, and I wasn't proud of it. Came out of a season where I began to really recognize and see just how out of control our country seemed to be. How we seemed to be going backwards more than forwards. How our, our politics looked less like C-SPAN and more like TMZ. You know what I mean? And I began getting really worked up about it. This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't what we signed up for. This isn't right. I just couldn't believe it. And so I began watching the, the news more than I had ever watched the news before. Like I would sometimes watch the local news, but now I was watching national news. And I wouldn't just watch national news. I wanted to get a bigger perspective. So I'd watch international news. If they had space news, I would have watched space news. Like I just wanted, I was consuming, 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 because I couldn't understand how it is that we got here. I was just so blown away by what was being normalized in our culture. And then I began listening to podcasts that kind of backed up my beliefs by people who were just as enlightened as me. And so I would hear them and I'd go, yeah, 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 that's me too. I feel that. And then I began following accounts on social media for people who were like activists and agitators who would get me even more fired up with every post that they would put. Every time I scrolled through, I was getting more and more fired up. And I said, well, I got to do more than that. I got to do my homework. And so I began reading books that told me that, yeah, things are as crazy as they seem and I'm not crazy for thinking that they're crazy, that I was going to be on the right side of history if I just got these things right. And let me tell you, I became so lost in that. Well, I was a real joy to be around. <laughs> real fun hang. Great at parties. Because I was just taking in so much toxic stuff that what began to happen, inevitably, it began to come out of me. 
That's what it always does. Till eventually, my family lovingly had a little intervention with me that basically boiled down to one word, enough, enough, enough. They were tired of hearing about it all, all the time. They were tired of my needle being broken at outrage. And all my obsessing over all this stuff was not a blessing to the people that mattered most to me. Shocker. See, I was, bear, I was bearing fruit, but it wasn't good fruit. It wasn't fruit that blessed God and blessed others. It, it wasn't fruit that I was proud of in any way. And I, want, I actually wanted to be someone who's known for for bringing good fruit into the world, fruit that actually does honor God, fruit that actually helps others, that brings love and life and light into this world. And I know that you do too. I know that you do too. I believe that's true of you as well. And so if you're wondering, what does it look like to bring good fruit into the world? How do I begin to do that? Because there's so much toxic stuff all around me all the time. How do I, what does good fruit even look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because if you're looking for an understanding of what good fruit is, you need look no further than Galatians chapter 5. Because in Galatians chapter 5, Paul picks up what Jesus laid down in Luke 6 and Matthew 7. And what he says is there is a kind of fruit. He gives a name to it. He calls this kind of good fruit the fruit of the, anyone want to take a guess? the fruit of the spirit. It's fruit that comes from a life rooted in God. Galatians 5.22 describes that kind of fruit. This is what it looks like. That fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, which is a fancy way of saying patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, listen to this, gentleness and self-control. That's that's good fruit. Don't you want more of that in your life? Don't you, don't you want more of that for the people that are in your life? Don't you think our world needs more and more of that kind of good fruit so that when other people think of you, what they think of is the love and the joy and the peace and the, and the kindness. I even love that word goodness, just the goodness that comes out of your life that the world might actually be better because of the fruit that you bear? This is what Jesus was talking about, this kind of fruit. This is what he invites you and me into to bring into this world. And I want to be really crystal clear. If you want to bear that kind of good fruit, you want to see that come more and more out of your life, I just need to give you this slight little disclaimer. This is like the fine print there. I need you to understand about this. That kind of good fruit doesn't just magically appear in your life. It doesn't just show up overnight. That's not how fruit works. You know that, right? I know when you want some fruit, you just go to the store and get it. But that little passion fruit went through a whole journey to get to aisle two so that you could purchase it this weekend, that, that, it went through a whole journey to get to you, even though you just walk in and get it. See, that's not how spiritual fruit, good fruit grows in your life. It doesn't actually happen overnight. It's a, it's a journey. It's a process that God does in you over time. The more and more you root yourself in him. That's what it takes to grow good fruit in your life. See, it always it always comes back to this simple idea, this simple thing that I believe Jesus is getting at, that Paul is helping us see that, that this kind of journey basically all starts, it all boils down to one simple decision. It's your roots. What are you rooting your life in? Your roots 
actually matter. Because simply put, listen, simply put, your roots determine your fruit. Where you root yourself determines the fruit of your life. That's how it actually works. Don't miss that, that today's roots are tomorrow's fruits. Where you are rooting yourself, what you are rooting yourself in, who you are actually rooting yourself with, it matters because those roots determine your fruit, whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. Because again, it's not whether or not you bear fruit, but what kind of fruit you will bear. And you can't get good fruit from bad roots. It just doesn't work that way. And I know for, for, for me, I, when I began to notice the fruit that was coming out of my life and what it was like to be around me and what it felt like even just in that season for me, I, I felt more cynical than I'd ever felt before. Anyone, can anyone relate to that? Just you feel like it's never going to get better. It's never going to change. It's only going to get worse. That's what I began. That's what was like coming out of me. I found myself more angry, short-tempered. I found myself feeling more self-righteous, like, well, at least I get it. At least I'm right. That was the fruit that I was putting out into the world, and I knew that I had to pull some things up by the roots in my life if I was going to see God actually bring some transformation in my life. I had to pull some things up by the roots. So I cut back significantly on my news consumption, still in the process of doing that. Dialed back the podcast. I don't need to listen to that. I need to fill my head with that. I actually cleaned house on a bunch of accounts that I followed on social media and basically was like, look, it's not you, it's me. Unfollow. I just can't today. (laughs) It's too much. I stopped reading the books that only fueled and fomented that fire, that self-righteous fire in me. And I began as best, and I'm still to this day, planting new roots, new roots, new roots. One of the shifts was I got an app, I paid for an app that reads the Bible to you. And it even puts like pretty little background music behind it. Like it creates a whole vibe, right? And so in the morning, that's what I listen to. That's what I want to, because the thought for me is if I root myself in God's word first thing in the morning, how might that change the rest of my day? How might that go with me and maybe even bear some good fruit in my life? So I listen to that as best I can. I listen to that first thing in the morning. I upped the intentionality and the times I spent in in prayer and meditation because I just, I needed to be more still and silent and quiet in God's presence than to get all fired up and revved up and have something to say about this, that, and the other thing. I just needed that stillness. I doubled down with my counselor because, again, my family was tired of hearing it, so I outsourced it to someone else (laughs) and said, can we talk about this? And can you help me get at why I get so revved up around this stuff? I know how easy it is for me to root myself in all kinds of things that eventually lead to rotten fruit. I just, I know that's how easy that is for me to do. And the same is actually true for you as well. It's easy for any one of us to do. All, all, all you have to do is, is run just a quiet little inventory of your life, real quick, quiet little inventory of your life to help you see what kind of fruit it is that you're actually bringing out into the world. Like think of it this way, just kind of quietly right now in your head. Think about where is it that you spend the majority of your time? What is it you spend your time around? What is it that you're spending your resources on? Or where are you investing in? What are you filling your mind with? What are the things that you're thinking about all the time? Like you just keep going over and over and over and over those things in your mind. 
What are some of the accounts that you're following on social? That's a great sort of indicator of what will eventually lead to the fruit of your life. Or the pages that you're perusing on the internet, where are they leading you to? What's actually coming out of that? What fruit is being born from that? Whatever it is that you are rooting yourself in, that will be the fruit that you bring into the world. Whatever it is, that's how that works. And there's a version of this message that There's a version of this message where I would just sort of name all of those things, those bad roots, you know, in your life and begin to name them one by one and how you need to cut them out and uproot them and replace them with the things of God. And I could, maybe there's a version of this message where I could do it in a really convicting way where like you started sweating a little bit and feeling like, oh man, I got to make some changes, right? And I could, I could, maybe, maybe there's a message that that goes that route and what it would look like for you to, to actually begin to bear good fruit. And all of that's actually very true. That's very important. I just told you that's what I had to do. I had to do that. I knew, I already knew what it was that needed to be uprooted. And my hunch is the same is true of you. You don't need me up here telling you what you already know. You know the things that you are rooted in, the people that you're rooted to that are producing bad fruit in your life. You don't need me to tell you that one. I expect you and God to sort that out on your own. What I just want to wrap up this time together thinking about is something that I'm seeing more and more and more in the lives of people I love and care about. People from our church, people in our life. Something I'm seeing more and more and more in this current cultural moment. Something that I think has only been heightened and highlighted by the historic intensity and trauma of the last couple years. And it's not just simply that we all have bad roots. It's that I think for many of us, more than we may even realize, it's that you are unrooted. You're unrooted. You don't even know what kind of fruit you are bringing, you are producing, because you don't even know what it is or where it is that you're rooted anymore. Maybe you feel unrooted at work, right? Because all, the way that we've all worked has changed so much over the last couple of years and you just still feel so out of sorts or the career path that you were on doesn't even seem to make sense anymore. And so you feel unrooted at this place where you spend a majority of your time and you don't even, it doesn't even feel like you have your feet underneath you there. Maybe you're out of work right now and you just feel so unrooted to that sense of purpose, maybe even calling in your life. Maybe you feel unrooted right now in this city and you're here and you're not even sure why it is that you're here anymore. And you look at the, where our city's going and you just go, I don't even know if there's a place for me anymore. Maybe you feel unrooted in a relationship that matters so much to you. Maybe it's a marriage, a dating relationship, and you can't even put your finger on why, but you find that you're fighting with each other more than you're fighting for each other. And you just feel unrooted. Or maybe you feel unrooted in, in your friendship world, your social world. Maybe there are friends that you were really close with a couple years ago, and now you don't even know why, but you're not. You don't even talk to them anymore. Maybe COVID drew that line for you. The election drew that line for you. Maybe they moved away, and you still haven't fully grieved that loss. Maybe you moved here to this new city, and you just feel unrooted. You're missing what was, and you haven't felt like you've really stepped into what is. Maybe you feel unrooted right now in your faith. And something that maybe used to be a part of, of your life and there were rhythms and there were practices that, that, that once felt familiar and, and, and safe and sound for you. Now they feel distant and, and difficult. And you feel unrooted from a sense of hope 
about the future and where it is this is all going and what it is that this all means. You are, for lack of a better word, you are unrooted. And you know it, you feel it. So it's no wonder. It's no wonder that you feel stuck. That makes so much sense. Why you feel stuck or you feel like you're kind of spinning in circles right now with a lack of, of connection or maybe even motivation in your life. No, no wonder you don't even know what kind of fruit it is that's coming out of, of your life because you don't even know where it is that you're rooted anymore in your life. That's no way to live. That's no life at all, in fact. In fact, Simone Weil, who was a French philosopher who before dying at a very young age actually gave her life to Jesus and began following Jesus, she says something so profound that may just be for you today. This is what she wrote years and years ago. She said, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and the least recognized need of your soul. You and I need to be rooted rooted in the good things of of God that bring good fruit into this world, to root yourself, to plant yourself, to establish yourself in God so that you can actually live into the life he longs for you to live, bearing the fruit that he longs for you to bring into this world that this world so desperately needs. And if you're wondering if God cares that you feel unrooted right now, I want you to know Jesus prayed specifically for you that you would be rooted, that you would be attached to the living vine that is him, that you would find your source and your sustenance and your life in him, and that you would bear much fruit and the world would know that you belong to him because of the fruit that you bring into this world. Listen, no one, no one, no one drifts their way into a transforming relationship with Jesus. You don't just drift your way, eventually bump. You root yourself in him. Then you root yourself some more. Then you root yourself some more. And when everything in this world and everything in your life is pulling you every which way but God, you root yourself again. You root yourself again. You stay rooted in him so that in time you grow. So that in time you bear good fruit. And it begins to show itself in your life. And so I just want to encourage you, for whatever that may look like for you, to root yourself in God, to root yourself, to build your life on him, to build your life on the life that Jesus died to give you and me to have. To uproot, yes, uproot anything that's actually keeping you from living this kind of life, from rooting yourself in God, but to root yourself, to root yourself, to root yourself in him this week. And what I thought would be helpful to do that is if we maybe could all sort of move in the same direction together, all of us in different places, but moving, knowing that you're moving together with a community towards God. And so what I want to do is give us all a little homework assignment here in this room and, and those of you online as well. And I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's summer. What, we, what is he talking about homework? This is summer school, baby. Let's go. Okay, we're going to have some homework this week. And your homework is simply this. I want you to pick one spiritual practice to spiritually root yourself in this week. Pick one spiritual practice to spiritually root yourself and actually commit to doing. 
actually commit yourself to rooting, to maybe starting your day, to ending your day, to going throughout your day with whatever that spiritual practice may be. Maybe for you it is intentional times of prayer and meditation. And you need to go, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this. No, this week I'm actually going to be willing to do it. I'll schedule it if I have to. I'll change the way I go. I'll change when I go to bed so that I can get up earlier and do this. Or I'll change the way I go to bed so that I can do it, whatever that is. Maybe for you, it's a daily practice of reading the Bible. You can go back and read through the Sermon on the Mountain. Just take it bite by bite, step by step with Jesus to have a daily practice of engaging yourself in the truth of God. Maybe for you, it's, it's creating a space of worship in your home. And, and, and when you're home, maybe there's all kinds of noise and all kinds of things that go on. What if you could maybe create a space of worship and you played worship music in the house? How that might change the atmosphere begin to actually like till the soil to begin to bear some good fruit in your life. Maybe it's to do what, what Brandon said a little bit ago and it's to actually sign up to get baptized next Sunday. Like that's the best spiritual practice you can do is to follow through with your yes to Jesus and get baptized, be here, get baptized next Sunday. Whatever the spiritual practice is that you're gonna root yourself in this week, I want you actually, can you do this? Like I want you to decide what it is today. Like before you get to brunch, because all kinds of other things are going to happen. Decide what it is today that will lead you more and more into the life God longs for you to live so that you can bear the kind of fruit that God longs for you to bear in this world. Decide and begin today. We're all going to move forward in that same direction together. And just see, just see if something doesn't begin to shift in your life, that you don't begin to see the signs of new fruit being born in your life. To see that maybe, just maybe, When people think of you this time next week, they might think of the good fruit that's coming out of your life. So I'm gonna ask you to stand and I wanna pray with you and we're gonna take a a different kind of posture of prayer. This kind of came to me in the moment at the last gathering. I thought it'd be fun for us to do together. You know, normally when we pray, we like to pray here at Soul City with our hands open. We think that's a great posture, but we're gonna kind of use our hands like little roots. And I actually want you, if you'd be willing to do it here and online, would you kind of like use your fingers like little roots and put them right down at your side, like push them right into the soil. And just imagine your life being rooted in God this week. Rooted in him, rooted in him. So if it helps to close your eyes and just kind of imagine your fingers like roots going into the soil of your life. God, that's what we want. We want to build our life on you. We want to root ourselves in you because what you want for us is to bear good fruit. Thank you, God, for this this profound teaching that fruit is already being born. But what you're inviting us to do is to plant good roots, deep roots in you so that good fruit will come out of our lives. So help us to root ourselves in you this week. That's all we ask, God. Give us the courage to uproot whatever is keeping us from intimacy, from connection with you, to name it, to make the shifts and changes we need to this week, but to begin those practices that root us in you, to help us find our life and our source and our sustenance in you so that others might find good fruit in us. We love you. And we choose today to build our lives on you, all of who you are and all of who you actually long for us to be. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.